Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. As the trauma of the 2016 presidential election gave way to self-reflection, Cambridge Analytica epitomized a unique form of 21st century villainy. The British technology firm's covert use of Facebook user data to map voter behavior boosted the Donald Trump presidential campaign and also Brexit. By sowing disinformation, it only faced a comeuppance once the employees decided to speak out. Co-founded by Steve Bannon, Cambridge Analytica came to represent all that is wrong with our electoral system and the world we live in and what we know about that world. Uh, the film called The Great Hack is co-directed by two, uh, the two filmmakers, Jahan Nujim and Karim Amir. They're joining us today to talk about The Great Hack. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you. Both of you have done other films, and I failed to mention you've done the start, uh, Startup.com and Control Room. So this is, in some ways, along that continuum of technology and how it impacts us, and particularly how it impacts our world beyond business but into the world of politics. Is that, is that kind of where where you were going with this film? When you, well, How did you decide, and I'll start with you, Jahani, uh, how did you decide you wanted to start doing The Great Hack? It, it definitely does relate to uh, my previous work. Um, uh, it's not the reason why I decided to make the film. Um, but, yeah, my first feature film was called Startup.com, and it was about the dot-com, uh, the creation of a dot-com company and the burst of it and the burst of the bubble and, and the, the, the sort of crashing down of the company, um, along with many others, in 2001. And then made Control Room, which was very much about sort of different channels, different truths. Um, whether you watched, it was the coverage of the Iraq War from the perspective of Al Jazeera and and the different channels at CENTCOM. So depending on where you were sitting and what channel you were watching, you had a very different view of what was happening um, uh, on the ground. And I would say that the Great Hack is a little bit like Control Room on steroids in that. Um, now it's not just six different news channels. It's um, everybody having their own news feed and um, a very personalized view of reality. And I think we were starting to really see that in 2015-16 and saw the wreckage sites of that with the election and these very surprising results of Brexit and Trump. But that's not to say that this film was ever meant to be of either, um, uh, we don't believe that this is about East or West or Republican or Democrat or leave or remain or, you know, it's not, um, it's not about that. It's about systems that we find ourselves in um, and how that is affecting our future. So, for example, we made uh, The Square, actually, together, Kareem and I, after, uh, in, two, in, in um in, which came out in 2013, and that was about the use of technology and how technology was actually a very positive tool for change. So to then see how it could also be used where it was once used by the revolutionaries, it could then also be used by governments to spy on those very, and to suppress 
voices and to spy on those very same um, people. And, uh, and we saw that quickly turn. Yeah. And um, so how did, so what led us to the great hack really is to see um, we, when we, we were really looking for a story um, which kind of brought technology and politics and our, and what was happening today together. And we started with a story, the, the, so, the Sony hack, but then we quickly saw that the much more interesting story was actually about our mind hack rather than a physical hack. Mm-hmm. And that's what led us to start making this film. Yeah, the, I just want to point out to our listeners that the, the film, there's a multi-track storylines going on in The Great Hack, and all of them are important in their own way. They're very significant. The Cambridge Analytica angle, uh, the, the uh, Professor Car- uh, Carroll's uh, journey, really, to find out what Facebook knows about him, sort of his data points, his data set of what they're using to sort of make judgments about him and his life. And it's the story of Brittany Kaiser. There are a lot of different storylines going on in the film. But all of them keep coming up against this uh, immovable object of what is the world we are living in and what are the consequences of it. So, uh, Karim, I want to ask you, uh, in terms of, if, if I got that right, are the questions that I'm asking in terms of, or the, the storylines that I'm talking about, what are, is that the question we should be asking ourselves? Is where are we and where are we going with all of these different uh, parts of the story? or? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a major part of it. I think I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what's for sale? You know, I mean, I think we've entered into an era where everything's for sale, and if data is recordable human behavior, and all of our data and is being transacted and and bought and sold, whether it's our, you know, we need to just think like our, our sexual preferences for sale, our, our political ideas for sale, our, our most intimate details of our lives for sale, and where does the buying and packaging of our identities and our digital footprints end up, and how are they being used to shape us? And I think the questions that we see the film kind of traversing are in these political uh, corners, you know, where you see these wreckage sites happening, whether it's in Brexit or Donald Trump's election, or with Cambridge Analytica's work in other countries like Trinidad and Tobago, and other places where they conducted these voter suppression campaigns. But the weaponization of, of information and the ability to use that information to influence people in ways that has never happened before uh, because of the amount of data you can collect on someone or you can, you know, you have the ability to check someone's medical records compared to their political records compared to their credit card swipes and come up with the perfect customized message just for that person in real time. That's a whole new level of sophistication. And, you know, I think that the assumption we've had, many of us, is that the technology platforms, you know, are there to continue to deliver on the promises of the connected world, the dream of the connected world, as we've shown in the film. But I think that we've turned some corners to see that there may, we may be in a more nightmarish reality than we ever imagined. And I think that what's the most terrifying to me is that no one's really in control. You know, it's not like it's one company or it's one person or it's one system. It's an entire apparatus that we are a part of every day. And it has nothing to do with, 
you know, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or your politics. This is a structural problem that is challenging whether or not we can have, as Carol in the film says, a free and fair election ever again. Yes, yeah, that's right. And um, maybe we need to back up a half a step here. You're absolutely right. That is a question I want to get to, the, the kind of all of the uh, different uh, issues that surround our elections and the difference between um, h- how that plays out in terms of a, running a totalitarian state as opposed to an electorate that lives in a democracy and how those different things are playing out because there's some, in my opinion, some very different dynamics that allows a, a system that is more totalitarian to take advantage through through the digital world of, of, a, of an election at a, in a democracy that are very, very troubling. But I want to talk about some of the people in the film and sort of how this plays out and in, in, in sort of the human side of all this. We, I, I mentioned uh, a pr- American professor, David Carroll, and also I, I mentioned um, yeah. Brittany K- Kaiser. And so and let's let's yeah, and let's talk a little bit about Brittany uh, in terms of where we pick up her story in The Great Hack. Uh, Johanna, you want to you want to talk about uh, Brittany and how you got to know her? Well, in all of our films, we use characters to try to take us to the inside of a story and to rooms that we would never otherwise have access to. Um, and in this case, um, Brittany was an incredible character because she was somebody who um, could take us through Trump, could take us through Brexit, and ultimately she was investigated by the Mueller investigation. And so she was really somebody who, for a young person of you know early 30s, had in her lifetime. And she had started as a very idealistic intern in, the, in Barack Obama's campaign and had volunteered for Dean, so worked in with in human rights as well. So she had she had had had, had been in been involved um, in so you know many different with many different people from all sides of um, the political spectrum. When we found out that she was leaving Cambridge Analytica and she was coming forward to talk about what she knew, and she had very much been in the belly of the beast, we uh, she was open to speaking with us. She said to come meet her in Thailand because these were the few days that she was going to have before she came forward and started to speak to press. So this is Kareem and I had to make a decision as to who would go meet her. Um, and so Kareem uh, decided to get on a plane and, and go to Thailand. Yeah, that's how it started. Our adventure began there. And from there, it became quite the journey. You know, as you see in the film, from testifying in Parliament to kind of, you know, going and uh, to going to the United States, you know, becoming a public kind of uh, whistleblower on this topic, to then ending up having ties with um, alleged ties with Julian Assange that were called into question, and then to finding, you know, herself in the midst of the Mueller investigation. Uh, Brittany provided us with a incredible um, journey into the belly of the beast. Um, and in this case... The beast was the world of data and the way in which it was shaping the democratic process through elections. Uh, but what her story provides us, I think, more importantly than just that, is an incredible story about redemption. And I think at a time when we are at our most polarized that we've seen since the Civil War uh, in this country and, and in many countries in Europe as well, you know, we either we have a choice. We either enter into a civil war or we 
find roads to redemption. And I think stories about redemption and human journeys into that space are quite appealing uh, to artists like ourselves who are trying to make sense of these complicated times we're living in. Um, And from a structural perspective, by following an insider coming out of this space in Brittany and following an outsider like David Carroll, who kind of represents an everyman trying to just understand, you know, a simple question. What did you do with my data and can I have it back? We're able to kind of go between these two worlds and see, you know, as each of them are kind of, you know, uh, entering into um, different aspects of the journey. And where they end up on the same side is when they both kind of realize that with Cambridge Analytica shutting down and being gone, the real problem we have is not just Cambridge Analytica. The real problem that we have, the, the real thing that allowed Cambridge Analytica to be weaponized is Facebook. Yes. And I think that shift to Facebook and the widening of the aperture of the story in the, at that space allows us to kind of leave the political realm and go back to the everyday, which is where we begin, uh, relationship with data and technology and how it's affecting our lives. And all of this, you know, would not be possible without the incredible work that in the investigative journal Carol Codwaller, who has been, yeah. you know, like a dog on a bone with this story and has refused to give up asking the most difficult questions uh, to find out what is, you know, what were, um, to find out what happened. Um, I, I think I think the crux of the story is really about questions being asked in an era where there's no transparency. And I think that we're hoping that part of what we can do with this film by, you know, as David says, making the invisible visible is to start to, to show a, a story language for how to tell stories in the digital era and how to create social commentary in the era and how to weave in filmmaking these things like data um, and social media and aspects of that into the, into the visual landscape so that we can begin to understand what it looks like and how it affects us and how it fits into narrative structures. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Jahan Nujim and Kareem Amir uh, about the film The Great Hack. And uh, there are so many questions. Or there's so many avenues to pursue here. We don't have, we, there's not enough time in the day to really run down all of these different paths. But there are a couple of things that become very important. And it's very simple. The, the Professor Carroll's uh, pursuit of just what information, data points do they have on him? And why can't he know what they are? And I, it, that seems, that to me, when watching the film, is he just wants to find out simply what they think they know about him. Is, 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 am I oversimplifying that? No, you're not. I think the, I think where, 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 I think the problem that many of us don't realize and that we didn't realize until we got into making this film is that we live in the era of surveillance capitalism, where the base assumption is you give your data and you get services in return. Some of those services are free and some of those you pay a monthly subscription for. That is the the crux of the transaction that happens that runs our new economy. And in this era, the way our American laws are set up, you don't own any of the things, the information about yourself that companies are surveilling you and collecting. You, right. you actually do not own any of your own digital footprints. Those are proprietary to the companies, and that is what people are trying to change. And they've begun that change in Europe with GDPR. 
Yeah. And we're seeing if that's going to come to short. Now, the film doesn't go into all this because we as filmmakers, you know, are not here to prescribe solutions. We're here to kind of begin the conversation um, and, and, and follow the character's journeys through this space. But um, what we are in dire times in, in relation to the way in which our democratic process is being affected by this. So I believe it is part of our obligation to encourage these conversations and especially, you know, with this audience hopefully listening of young filmmakers to go out there and figure out all the other wreckage sites that are happening. You know, the great hack is the beginning of a conversation about how our minds are being warped and shaped and how the narratives that we're living are being defined not by us, but by amoral algorithms that are shaping our decisions on a daily basis. And while we have focused this on the kind of the, you know, these big ticket items, so to speak, of Brexit and Trump and Assange and Mueller, there are stories like this happening in all aspects of our day that have nothing to do with the political system and more to do with our everyday consumer habits. Right. And I think we need to start looking at what the cost of this reality is, what the ethics of it are, and what other Britney Kaisers are out there in different companies around this country and around the world, whether in, in many being in the heart of Silicon Valley, well, one and what it will take for them to step forward. Right. The, we, in somehow, some way, we have inadvertently, unknowingly given up our, our right, our expectation of privacy. We currently in this country and around the world, fa- frankly, are place, places like China that are, are much worse in terms of their intrusion into the lives of the people who live there. We have given up our expectation of privacy w- without knowing it. We, there was no legislation that took it away. We have willingly and, I guess, unknowingly given up any expectation of privacy. Is that a fair statement? I... I um I sadly have to agree with you. Yes, I, I think we have. And um, it's just kind of, I think part of that is because the new social contract in societies today is no longer between governments and citizens. It's between government citizens and tech platforms that are oftentimes wealthier than many governments around the world. And so if that's the case, then perhaps the user agreement should be the new use, the new social contract. But my question is, who are going to be the, you know, our last film was about a revolution in the heart of, of Tahrir Square, where where a lot of people had the audacity to dream of writing, rewriting their own social contract. Right. And we saw the ebbs and flows of that dream and the nightmare that resulted when it failed. Where are the new, where are the authors of the new user agreement that can help us all get accountability and where is that public square in this digital era where we will see the outcrying hopefully of a new generation that is saying this isn't what we signed up for and these are two false choices i'm not going to give up my privacy because that's what's being set that that's what's being framed to me as the admission call admission fee for my connectivity you know no privacy for connectivity is a false choice and it's not something that we should be accepting right one last thing here, and that is with the, the United Nations has the Commission on Human Rights. They have a, a charter of human rights for, the, for an expectation of human rights around the world. Every human being is entitled to these things. Is that where we need to go? Is there, because there's no way to, there's no way to 
to address this issue within the borders, confines of a, of a, a nation state anymore. That those days are over. So it, it, this this has to be a new charter on an expectation of our of our data of our of our movement of our lives are now being codified in a way and sold. We're being and I I just I, I is that would that be something that you know you were talking about rewriting the the social contract this is this a this is an international issue now so is the UN it's, uh, platform it's, 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 I think it's a global issue I, I think this is this is bigger than um, this is bigger than one country this is a borderless problem and it's about the apparatus of the connected world which right. is the part of the base assumption of how our world economy yeah. functions at this point right I mean everybody's a part of the connected world at this point except North Korea, but you know. So I think we need the United Nations, but more than the United Nations, we need consumers. We need everyday users on the connected world who are on Facebook, Instagram, on Google, on on you know to to hold the tech companies accountable and say we deserve better. And as Carol Codwaller says in the film, you've become the handmaidens of authoritarianism, the gods of Silicon Valley. Is this really how you want to be remembered? And as I alluded to at the beginning of this interview, th- this is about the ability to disrupt democratic processes. The totalitarian states, and I'll name Russia, China, whoever else has been in- interfering in our election cycle, they're not concerned about who. I don't think they even cared if Trump won the election. Their main, no. goal, their main goal was the disruption of the democratic institutions. Yeah, it's it's exactly the same goal that the American government's had in many in the right. Middle East and in right. South America. Right. So yeah, it's a, yeah. a bit of a payback. Well, listen, I I could go on, and I I don't want to. I I this is a such a one. It's just an amazing film. The Great Hack is a film that everybody who cares about the future, not only their own future, but the future of our uh, of their children and uh, and other generations to come to see this because we're in it. This is we're in the middle of it, and until we start doing something about what this data is being used for, and why, and how, and who it's being sold to, for what purpose, we will be handmaidens, as you said. And th- this is this is a good place to start. The Great Hack is a great primer for where we are and where we should be going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. I want to let our listeners know we've been talking with the co-directors of this amazing documentary, truly, um, called The Great Hack, and that's Jahan Nujim and Kareem Amir. Thank you so very much to both of you for being here on Film School today. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.